When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Jesus' testing by the Pharisees continues in today's Gospel reading. Here, a lawyer tests Jesus with the question, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? The law refers to the five, first five books of the Hebrew Bible called the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch contains 613 commandments. By identifying the greatest commandment, the greatest sin could be revealed also, which would be to disobey the greatest commandment. Jesus answered him, by quoting from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. You shall love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These verses are called the Shema, or the first word in Jewish law. The commandment to love God is the first text every Jewish child memorizes. And Jesus adds, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. With his answer, Jesus proves his fidelity to Jewish law, and the Pharisees have to retreat defeated again. Jesus, in effect, tells the legalistic Pharisees it does not matter how many rules you keep. If you fail to put God first, it doesn't matter what else you do in life. You are not doing his will. So Jesus commands us to love God with our whole heart, soul, and might. In the English language, there is only one word for love. But there are three kinds of love. Eros, the love of desire and longing, 
philia, the love one feels for a brother or sister or a friend, both of these are based on feelings, and these feelings can change. And then finally, agape, the love and God showers on us and commands us to have towards him and our neighbors. Agape love is unconditional love. It is a willingness to give everything you are to everything God is. Agape love is not determined by our feelings. We do not have to feel anything to practice it. Rather, it is a set of behaviors or actions. It is a lifelong commitment to practice agape love toward God and our neighbors. To love God the way he wants to be loved is to obey him unconditionally and do what he commands. As Jesus said in the Gospel of John, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So how do we develop agape love towards God and our neighbors? This agape love Jesus talks about does not come naturally, but once we are secure in God's love, we are freed to live in that love. As you know, any relationship requires a firm commitment. We would never expect a marriage or a friendship to last unless it's uh, nurtured. Why would it be any different with a relationship with God? If we think we can ignore him all week, or maybe for a half a year or a year, and then come back to church on Sunday or Easter or Christmas and believe that we fulfilled our commitment to God, we are mistaken. Agape love requires ongoing spiritual work, willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to enter our hearts and minds and transform it in order to develop this sacrificial, unconditional love towards others. This may seem impossible to attain. To quote Gully and Mulholland from their book, If God is Love, what God finds most pleasing is not our human attempts at perfection, but our genuine desire to do good. The desire to please God is what pleases God our willingness to grow and change, to learn how to live properly brings God joy. We develop agape love towards God and our neighbor by ongoing 
giving of our time, talents, and treasure. First, we love God with our time. Cultivating a relationship with him takes time. It requires daily commitment to prayer, scripture reading, daily offices, and spending time listening. Isn't that the hardest thing for us to do? To listen, to sit quietly and listen. We may not feel anything, but by doing these things, we are connecting with our Creator deep down in our soul, and we are learning how to express that agape love that, is, that He is showering us with. I consider myself very fortunate to have had a person in my early life who modeled this agape love. She was my aunt, Anna, a Roman Catholic, whom some of you may remember hearing about in my previous sermons. I truly believe she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Her heart was overflowing with God's love, and she radiated that love through her entire being. She spent her entire life dedicated to Jesus and to loving and helping her fellow human beings, despite clear danger for doing so. Her radiant love made the harsh and bleak years of dictatorship in the communist country more bearable and more hopeful. I have spent my whole life trying to become like her, to show God's love so freely and joyfully as she did. Despite her passing more than 20 years ago, she continues to inspire me. I wish every child and young adult growing up would have a special person in their lives who would inspire them as she inspired me to love and not hate. Second, we love God with our talents when we use the unique gifts he gave us to serve others. Lewis Austin, in this I believe, wrote, our maker gave us two hands, one to hold on to him and one to reach out to his people. If our hands are full of struggling to get possessions, we can't hang on to God or to others very well. If, however, we hold on to God who gave us our lives, then his love can fl flow through us and out to our neighbor. Each and every one of us has a unique gift that can be used to the glory of God. Please discern that gift and use it to help your neighbor in need, wherever he or she may be. God only knows our hurting community and world needs all the love and compassion it can have. 
the smallest act of kindness can have a lasting impact on others. In St. Teresa of Lisieux's words, miss, miss no single opportunity of making small sacrifice. Here by a smiling look, there by a kindly word, always doing the smallest right and doing it all for love. As all of you know, loving our neighbor is not always easy. We wish we could pick and choose our neighbors, but we do not have that luxury. God calls us to show agape love to all, those who feel, those who we feel deserve it, and those who we feel do not. It is not up to us to decide who is worthy of our love and compassion. We are called to care for all, them, all of them and not to judge them. Third, we love God with our treasure. One of the ways that we know our love for God is real is when we give financially because we want to, not because we feel we have to. When we realize that everything we are and everything we have is a gift from God, we want to give to glorify him and to further his kingdom. I would like to close with a prayer from the Trappist monk, Thomas Merton, which encapsulates our struggle to love God and do his will. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. No, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may not know anything about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.